Welcome to SinCast, presented by CinemaSins. Okay, so movie sins from 2015. Well, here's the thing. I think this sort of derived from what I felt like was the most sinful movie of 2015. Uh, And I think... This is a hard thing to define a lot of times because that doesn't necessarily mean the worst movie of 2015, but it could mean that. It also doesn't mean the movie that will end up with the most sins when we do an official video. Right, and and I felt like that we were, when we did movie fights, remember when they said what was the most you know, sinful movie, this was the most sinful movie ever or whatever. And so we picked what we thought was the most sinful movie, and then we got, and then they picked one where we just happened to do a bonus round where oh, we yeah, put all yeah. these different sins, which the was quantity of sins, which was you know that I mean uh, uh, low blow guys, um, <laughs> um, and uh, so I, I don't necessarily think that just because like I think clearly this year the worst movie, and you could probably say was the most sinful, was Terminator Genesis. I mean, there's, yeah, I it's, 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 I mean, pretty clear. well, and, and I don't know if I've ever seen a movie with its trailers actually, uh, you know, fulfill the destiny that we all thought that that movie was going to end up doing. Um, Donna Justice will probably do the same thing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, I mean, there's more than enough evidence that yes. it's going to do that, right? Yes. Um, but, uh, for me, and this is going to sound weird for people who take the sin thing like a little bit too seriously mm-hmm. or, or have a, a weird, I don't know, they have their own definition of what sinful is. But for me, the most sinful movie is Ant-Man. And the only reason is I think that they could have done so much more with this. And it started with Edgar Wright walking off because he didn't want to follow this marvel uh you know this this thing that they're doing with all their movies Machine. where everything looks the same yeah. and uh it all has to fit into this avengers thing and all this other stuff they proved quite successfully that they can go away from this sort of thing with guardians of the galaxy yeah which i think is was completely different from anything that they had done with the uh the marvel universe before uh, but when Ant-Man rolls around, they're like, oh, well, we better make this exactly like all these other Marvel properties because it won't fit in. It just won't fit in. But my biggest problem with that is if you are Marvel and you are Disney, you are pretty much you pretty much have license to do whatever you want to do at this point. And with Ant-Man, they could have let Edgar Wright run wild on this movie. God, it would have been awesome. And they could have made it something that was not it even though a lot of people say that this is like, well, it was just a it's a heist movie disguised as a comic book character. I disagree with this, by the way. Uh there is a heist in it. It's early on. It's Michael Douglas allows Paul Rudd to go in and, and do all his stuff and everything. Yeah. I don't think the main plot of the movie is very heisty. It's very like everything else I've ever yeah, seen. Story. Let's attack a, co- yeah. a corporation of some sort. And like, mm. you know, they didn't really, it's not really a, you didn't see, uh, you didn't see Ant-Man sitting there like, I got to consider all these different little moves. <laughs> and like, I have to, it's not like oceans where you, where you like, you know, you think about all these different things they have to do and the team that they have to pull together and, 
all this other type of stuff. I I think I think it's fun to call it that. It's kind of like how Captain America um, Winter Soldier was considered this 1970s paranoia thriller by yeah. a lot of people. And I, I was like, okay, well, it has a little bit of the element of that at the beginning, but it's nothing like a 70s paranoid no. thriller at no, all. No, no. But that's what people jump on. I guess. Yeah, that's what people jump on as this like, oh, well, look Anything at Anything to make them different. Yeah, to make it look like it's this, oh, it's, it's deep. It's thinking about stuff. You know? Why did they do that, though? They have, you just mentioned, they have the template of success of James Gunn doing Guardians of the Galaxy and of Joss Whedon doing the Avengers and Kenneth Branagh doing Thor because I had to work in a Kenneth Branagh record. Mm-hmm. I'm proud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the, the, the track record is to let these eccentric you know, uh, visionary directors do their I thing. I don't think that's it at and all. And then it's, then I think it's successful. Th- I think they crushed Joss Whedon's soul. They hired a very <laughs> they, creative <laughs> guy, and then they forced him to do what they wanted. Well, they did with Avengers Age of Ultron, which I oh, could yeah. easily just put that in the same yeah. category. Uh, they definitely did then. I think they started out that way with the way you're Barrett saying. They started out like, let's get these visionary directors Let's let them do their thing. They mm-hmm. got John Favreau on Iron Man. Yeah. You know, they're like let him do his thing. I didn't. Re- I remember not thinking Iron Man was going to do anything. Yeah, because I remember when the trailer came out, everybody was like, "Oh, it looks stupid." It's you know, it, it, the flying doesn't look real. All these other different things, and then it just went out and crushed it. And um, and so they started doing all these movies where they were like, "Okay, we're going to let these guys run wild a little bit." And once they definitely had a franchise once the avengers came out and made all that money they went to what every studio does they yeah. have to protect it they have to make it where it's it's this we have this theme in mind and we're going to stick with it at all times and nobody can come in and upset that yeah and ant-man was a big huge thing for me that that's what happened now ant-man's an enjoyable movie mm-hmm. i actually liked ant-man I really hated a lot of it, but there was some redeeming value in in that movie. I enjoyed it enough to be like, ah, yeah, that was good. You know, I would have enjoyed it if they'd have just taken two seconds to tell me how he can talk to the goddamn ants. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because he's small? Why isn't he able to talk to fleas and ticks and spiders and well, other shit? There is, the, there is the part where Michael Douglas shows he's got that little uh, Bluetooth-looking thing or whatever, and that's how he's communicating, but they Bluetooth. don't... Yeah, they don't <laughs> say technology. they don't say like why his like whatever the scientific mumbo jumbo it is that he says you know he can call the ants to where him. he where he's like uh it, it, it taps into their what I don't remember what it was it taps into something that makes them want to do whatever you want to do but um but like that's that for me like if that Edgar Wright had been a part of that and we saw all those like cool Edgar Wright like you know, transitions and, and shots yeah. and like humor and all yeah. that, that would have been such a good movie. And when I watched it, I was like, ah, this is just like every other Marvel movie now. And they do that with everything, everything. And I think they're protecting the MCU itself. And I think it's in the end, I think it's going to have been a bad decision because all these movies feel the same to me. The yeah. score for all these, but they're hiring the Russo brothers to direct goddamn everything now at this point. Yeah. And, and eventually we're going to get tired of this <laughs> if we're not there already. Yeah. Right. Like, like, I, I don't know. It's frustrating well, to me and, because there's so much potential and civil and, uh, you know, Captain America civil war, uh, is going to be, is another Avengers movie. It's, it's, it says it's Captain America. Oh yeah. It's, it's totally. It's Avengers. just another yeah. Avengers movie. 
and and that that comes back on us a little bit because we always go why aren't the avengers a part of this adventure or whatever <laughs> you know well because you know it would be insane to have the avengers in every single freaking movie but um but uh but like that we're everybody who sees the trailer for that is going to be like oh new avengers movies coming out they're not going to say captain america that's not a new captain america adventure that's a new avengers yeah people will know it as civil war and they won't even think about the captain america that comes before it yeah but i that's the thing to me i've never understood this this idea that we have to protect this franchise and we can't do anything that deviates from it even though if they had made, like, let's say Edgar... The deviations are the success, though, right? Yes. Well, and the only reason they allowed... I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but let's... If Edgar Wright had made his movie the way he wanted to make it, uh-huh. uh, and and it was a complete failure, it still would have made the money that it... it oh, yeah. That That's it, true. Oh, yeah. That's and true. it still would have been a part of the universe yeah. and all this other type of stuff, and people would have still loved it. Mm. So, anyway. Yeah, no, I think Guardians is, is different because... Marvel was able to convince themselves space, green people, talking raccoon. It's so far outside <laughs> the MCU we've put forward so far. We can take a risk with with this particular property. Yeah. And it's that's why it's strange to me they didn't do that with Ant-Man. Because Ant-Man shrinks down to a tiny little ant size and calls the ant army to come help him. Yeah. That's pretty far outside the realm. Like I, That is as goofy as the premise of Guardians to me. And again, I'm an Edgar Wright fan. Um... I would love to have seen what he did. It's even though he'll never say it's pretty clear that they just shut him down on some of the stuff he wanted to do because it wouldn't be Marvel enough. And that's a shame because we we end up with a a charming, likable movie that once or twice shows you flashes of what it could have been. Like that train scene at the end is clearly something Edgar Wright came up with that they've just kept. But even that scene isn't shot the way he would have shot it. Like, Mm -hmm. and it loses some of its magic because of that. And that the two different scenes were. Michael Pena is talking, given the history yeah. of how yeah. this idea came to yeah. him and all that. That's very Edgar Wright. Yeah. Although Edgar Wright probably would have done that a little bit different too. But um, but that was one where I was like, ah, I can kind of see some Edgar Wright, th- you know, fingerprints on this one. But um, and and you know, really, it just I, that's what to me is most sinful when you have all that power to do whatever you want. You have the license to do whatever you want, and you make that do the same thing and well, i would say the exact same sentence you just said about terminator genesis okay because <laughs> they got arnold back they got the blessing of james cameron who publicly said he loved this movie and he's a liar <laughs> um they got a hot game of thrones talent they got jason clark who's a hot actor from thir- zero dark 30 and other stuff dawn of the planet of the apes and they just I feel like they intentionally wanted to piss on the franchise. Like, I feel like somebody on <laughs> set on purpose? was sabotaging this movie. And it might have been the screenwriter or the director. Mm. But, like, what's the, the only redeemable thing about the entire movie is that J.K. Simmons line. Yeah. Right? yeah. Where he's like, goddamn time traveling robots always covering <laughs> up their goddamn tracks. <laughs> and, of course, it's J.K. Simmons. He, he has the potential to be great in anything. Um, but, you know, one funny line doesn't even come close to redeeming all the missteps they took um and it's it's really uh, you know terminator movies even though they have the complexity of a time travel story and all that entails and everybody's got their idea of what time travel should be and all these other type of things um even with that they made a story that was incomprehensible that it didn't need to be this 
it didn't need to be this complex. They tripped over themselves, I think, trying to to balance paying service to the franchise and do something new, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, at this point, why do why do we need Sarah Connor? Why do we need John Connor? Like I've seen Sarah Connor, John Connor stories four times now, like five times. Why don't you just why don't you keep the universe and the Terminators There's and show me something new? With. Yeah, because. The reason it trips over itself and gets so convoluted and incomprehensible is because it's trying to keep Sarah Connor involved, but do the Star Trek thing from 2009 where we also launch a whole new timeline. I keep on getting into this issue with Terminator, and this has happened really in the last three movies. Um, I, I I keep wondering how, oh, if we're in the future and the machines are, are sending... Okay, so in the first one they sent, you know the T-800 Arnold Schwarzenegger thing back. And Kyle Reese came back to try to stop. So, all right. So they they had to have gone through 1984 all the way back to the present, present day to find out that that didn't work. Actually, they would have never found out it didn't work, right? That's what doesn't make sense to me. Is like yeah. They would have never found out that didn't work. So in Terminator 2... Well, let's send the liquid metal thing through. It's almost like they have knowledge of all the other movies as they keep sending stuff back, yeah, yeah. which doesn't make sense to me. Like, it seems like it should be, you know, one thing fails and then the whole whole history has changed at that point. Um, I think in Terminator it works. I think in the first Terminator works best because, it, you know, Terminator 2, it's already back on track. So, but even then they would have to have knowledge that that first one didn't work. And they basically would have to wait around from 84 to Terminator sending back time yeah. and go, Oh, John Connor's still here and just killed us again. Right. Guess we better try again. Yeah. But right? then, but when you <laughs> then can, wouldn't you, wouldn't you keep sending the old model back? Cause you wouldn't know that the old model failed. Right. Not te- no, no, not technically. You yeah. wouldn't know what happened. I don't, yeah, you, well, I don't think you would know that you did it. Right, you wouldn't know that you even did it because stuff is supposed to change to the point that the entire future has changed at that yeah. point. Um, and I mean, unless you have a sort of a going log somehow that works, that's like telling you, "Oh, that first thing, that first thing failed. The second thing failed." Now, in, as it gets further along into these movies, they, I mean. The, the Terminator Genesis is the one that just, I mean, they send, they send Terminators back into the seventies now <laughs> and they, and they're still sending one guy. They're still It'll sending one. It'll be fine. And, and uh, so let's say there's some way for them to know that they've made mistakes, which I still don't think they should know. I think, I think once you've gone in the past and you've changed it, then there's a whole new timeline at that point. There are some people who go with that closed loop theory where it's like, you know, no whatever has happened and whatever will happen will always happen. So, but Terminator doesn't follow that. Not at all. No. You know, so it's not you know, uh so for me after that first failure, they shouldn't even know about the first failure. And then they 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 make it even big. They make it they come out with a liquid metal one the next time and it's like, okay, so you you're learning from your mistakes. How did you learn from your mistakes? That's what I want to know. If they was making a Terminator movie now, I'd like to be more in Skynet than I would be with yeah, John Connor. Just to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> to be able to figure out how they know what they know and why do they keep sending one? Why do they keep? Uh, why do they keep? Ha- 
why is it that they every time they send one, the humans have somebody they can send some a back immediately? It's almost like they're coordinating yeah. in the future. <laughs> right. Hey, hey humans, we're ready? about to send another robot <laughs> back. Yeah, yeah, so, go. yeah okay. we're going to find out yeah. at some point that the Terminator is some Matrix type thing where it's like, you know, the first Terminator uh, thing failed and, you know, and then the second one and so on. Now we're in the sixth iteration of it. Um, so I don't know if that's what, if that makes sense to you guys. I know when you get into time travel, it starts getting really like, it's hard to explain, Yeah, you know, what you're, what you mean by that. Um, but I always feel like my, my time travel is informed basically from Ray Bradbury's The Sound of Thunder, <laughs> where, you know, you, you go back in time, they stepped on a butterfly, the entire world has changed when they get back mm. because, Stepping on that butterfly meant something something else didn't get food and so on and so forth and a chain reaction. Um, and so so that's what, for me, informs time travel. So anytime you make any small change, you've changed the timeline so, you know, beyond. I wish I, wish I hadn't killed that fish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, what about you, Barrett? Do you have a sinful... Well, I'm cheating a little bit because this movie came out in 2014, but I didn't see it until this year, 2015, because it wasn't available for me to see in the theater. As uh, a movie called Snowpiercer that was very highly regarded and critically acclaimed. Okay. And you've, we've all seen it. It's terrific. It's unlike a lot of things that other people have, have, have seen. A uh, Korean uh, director, big international cast and everything. And a pretty unique concept of a, a train just going on in perpetuity while there's, you know, frozen landscape that is uninhabitable. But what, what the problem is is that they fall back on this common movie trope that takes always takes me out of the movie. It was kind of like that Kylo Ren scene uh, at the end of Force Awakens where uh, it's, it's a physically overmatched opponent able to just physically impose their will on, on the other person. And so in this movie... Spoiler for people who haven't seen it: It's the uh, Franco the Elder is the uh, the big hitman uh, for for the conductor of of the train, and he's invincible. There's there's you know uh, odes to this person, him and the other girl that's one of his main protectors, not being able to feel pain or being impervious to to any sort of thing. And this guy is just a machine. He's a robot. Like no matter. There's that scene starting in the sauna where he gets stabbed he gets shot he gets he gets uh you know strangled to death he gets beaten up he gets absolutely just eviscerated and yet somehow he's able to overpower this younger fit athletic guy that's been just killing everybody on the entire train up until now and he's able to physically overpower this guy with a knife in his hand to actually go into his chest and somehow you know between chris evans and and uh, some other characters, he gets strangled out, he gets stabbed in the stomach, and he's dead. And then somehow, without even really an homage to, like, hey, this guy really wasn't dead or anything, like, he literally just stands up. <laughs> he does. He, he stands up at the end of the movie when he's needed to provide some extra attention. Yeah. And it's completely unnecessary because when he stands up and he makes his way through the party and everything to, to go and kill this guy right, right in front of the conductor, he basically gets, you know, killed again. He gets killed again and thrown over the uh, the thing into the machinery, and it's completely unnecessary. But it happens over and over, and it takes you completely out of the movie. This may or may not show up in the Sins video, Snowpiercer, <laughs> um, because that uh, yeah, that was uh, one of those things. Because for me, 
that scene uh, is doubly uh, bad because not only has he gone through all these different things and he's been stabbed and he has a knife still sticking in his stomach. <laughs> he just casually removes um, it. He's bled out for like 30 minutes yeah. or an hour or however long it's until been. Until he's needed in the script again. Yeah, until it's like, until it's like you know, he gets up again, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously not a 2015 movie per se, but if you saw it here in 2015... Um, Which I would guess a lot of people did. Yeah. Because it didn't do huge box office. No. It just happens all the time. It's like you guys mention it in your send videos almost every time. In fact, the, the two times I'm thinking about it is Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, where at the end of it, Ethan Hunt is being wailed on by this this middle-aged he's white a guy. Banker, yeah. He's a banker that is you know choking this, this uh, secret agent out. Right. And, you know, throwing him on top of cars and all that stuff. And the, the thing that I actually watched last night out of nowhere was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Mm-hmm. And it, it occurred to me at the end of this that Voldemort literally turns this into a fist fight with Harry Potter at the end of that movie. Yeah. Where he could you know, kill him in any other sort of way that he could. But he decides to, like, slap him and kick him around for a little while. Yeah. And it's like, really? This this is this is what it's it's come down to. So, yeah, it just keeps coming. It takes you out of the movie. Well, and, and not, only, I mean, not only that, I mean, not to get on a Harry Potter tangent, but how many times did he have a chance to kill Harry <laughs> Potter? And, he, and, and all the stuff that he went through in Goblet of Fire to even get Harry in his vicinity. Yeah. Um, that just to me that goblet of fire i don't remember the book being that way i think it was actually there's a lot of ex machina and weird like oh, coincidence yeah. in uh, the jk rowling books but but like how many times did that guy have a chance to kill harry potter and <laughs> instead he didn't or he had the the rule that only he could kill him and yeah. stuff like that and it's you know it was like eh. that's that's what makes it hard to to really be satisfied that your heroes won at the end yeah. is because the bad guys were so bad at being bad. <laughs> and Harry's got to be the worth, most worthless hero in any major franchise history. Like, Hermione saves the day 99 times out yeah. of 100. I think there's only like one or two good things Harry does. Otherwise, he's, he's just he's just our eyepiece, right? He's just so we can see what's going on, but ne- never once in the whole series, I haven't read the books, never once in the whole series of movies is there a moment where he pulls out a wand and does some badass magic nobody <laughs> thinks he can do to win the day. Yeah, It's always, oh, we read a book. There's a potion. Let me make it for you. Now <laughs> right. drink it. It's some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it also goes back to the, like, is, is, is knowing spells just a matter of getting the language down right? Yeah, you know, is it learn? Is that learning that pseudo Latin? Is that what it is? Is it like we sometimes? Sometimes you need the spell, and sometimes you don't. Yeah, sometimes. But every once in a while, like at right. the end of the movie, like everybody, she'll yell out, "Stupefy!" Yeah, like that's completely necessary. Well, and it's really hard to tell what the power is. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, they're young. They they probably don't have, have it. Probably haven't developed powers yet. But what? It seems like some of these people just know how to say things correctly, and that's how <laughs> they get their spell. We've gone on a tangent, anyway. Um, I'd like to talk about Snowpiercer, the same line of logic you're talking about, about how, especially that that scene where the men in hoods and axes are fighting with the tail section people. Yeah. Tail section people have been on this train for 18 years, eating insect jello. Right. Like, how the fuck can they beat up anybody? <laughs> Much less a whole train car full of axe men. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm surprised you had enough strength to run two cars forward. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually funny how that came, that came up. It's the same thing with the Lion King. 
Yeah. And like yeah. how how uh Simba has been out doing this Hakuna Matata <laughs> and all that with, you know, these these uh wacky characters out in the middle of the wilderness and suddenly he's able to fight uh you know nala and he's able to fight scar <laughs> he's like just because he's a lion and he's an adult now he can do that yeah, like he, he's been he's, eating insect jelly and that's right and he's been eating insect <laughs> jelly this whole time Whoa, protein it just blew my mind protein right so you know that that is funny when yeah there's so, there's people who clearly shouldn't be badasses based on where they've been this whole time and uh, suddenly, when it comes time for against them. trained fighters with axes and yeah, better nutrition, which is a scene that doesn't make any sense. It's like everybody's got like masks over their eyes and all sort of type of stuff. Maybe just to make them look badass. I don't yeah, know, exactly but I would. Was, yeah. But I wouldn't want to have mask over my eyes if I'm ready to go battle. Are they supposed to all be Jedi or something? Yes. What's the deal? Yeah. Um, but you know, how many times in that movie? I'm, we're actually going to probably give away all the sins. So I won't. <laughs> We won't even uh, talk anymore about Snowpiercer, but I understand where you're coming from on that. The Great inj- movie, but sinful. Right. Just like most Ant-Man movies. is enjoyable, right. but sinful. You know, and Terminator Genesis is just no, awful. Yeah, it's just terrible. Yeah, it's just awful. And, and you know, uh, a lot of was said about Avengers Age of Ultron, and I agree. I don't like it at all. Like, I, I yeah. guess, I do, do Marvel fanboys really love that movie? I can't imagine. Do they, they really? They, they talk, they they did, talk themselves into they did, they did the Phantom Menace thing. For the, about the first month after it came out, there was a lot of blowback from my negative opinions. But now it seems like the popular Marvel fanboy opinion is, yeah, it wasn't as good. Yeah. Because for me, it was no it was no better than a Transformers movie. No. Like, I, I feel things. like it's that bad. Um, there's so many there's that especially the battle on the freaking island at the end Mm -hmm. where it's that was the biggest thing for me and i actually when we were writing a little bit on the blog and everything Mm -hmm. i wrote about avengers and said you know i don't know what's going on in these things i never understand it like where everybody is in relation to who um why do they need to be there why do their i feel like i feel like each of these characters with their particular powers should have a segment of the you know the bad guys that they need to to go after mm. because they are good at this mm. and really just a bunch of you know well Thor's got a hammer and Captain America's got a shield and Hulk's a Hulk <laughs> you know we're just gonna bu- punch a bunch of bad guys <laughs> there's really not any reason for them to be I mean you could get anybody to do that yeah. right and um and so like those that big battle at the end is just like just nothing but noise and. I mean, and, and confusion, and just because, just because, hey, you see somebody punching somebody, and it's what it doesn't make it exciting. It doesn't make it exciting when there's an where editing is just going all over the place and all that other type of stuff. But I think people, as long as they see some punching, they're fine. <laughs> it's kind of those. That's kind of the thing with the Transformers, right? It's just robots fighting. <laughs> robots fighting is all it is, guys. Well, it's like in in the opening of. Age of Ultron, they're doing that snowy battle where yeah. it has that slow motion moment where you can see all of them in a row. Yeah, it's pointless. Yeah, we don't know. We don't. I don't give a crap what's going on. I think. I think that leads to some clue that leads to something. I don't know, but it's just a bunch of nameless snowy bad guys, and that takes away from the power of the awesome slow mo moment yeah. because that slow mo moment would be better if it had impact. If the scene itself meant something to me. Yeah, and I could have. I mean, I could have done without the Ragnarok thing that was in the middle of it if you could have just given me the the um 
the reason why they were even at this Hydra facility at the beginning. Yeah. Because I had to read up on that. I had to like go, why were they why were they at this Hydra facility? Oh, and Agents of Shield, <laughs> you know, um, you know, the Clark Gregg character, Agent whatever is Nick Colson, uh, who is dead in yes. the movies, but is alive in Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, find something that they have to go and use the Avengers for or whatever. But we don't know that in the movie. If you don't, if you don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you don't know. And why would you? Why would you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? That's a show that could get canceled tomorrow for all we know. Um, so like, so now they're operating on this, this, you know, this, this world building thing where they've got TV shows giving you information that you need to know for the movie. Which is fine. It's, yeah, if it's a callback or if it's an Easter egg or something like that, oh, yeah, I saw that in the, the right. series. That's one thing. But if it's a major plot device. If it's a plot, plot device, issue, yeah. that's a real, That's. I mean, that means you really want us to watch every single thing. Now, I've I've been watching these Netflix shows. I think they're good, but, um, I you know, it doesn't, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a movie yet that's referred to Daredevil or Jessica right. Jones or, you know anything like that? Um, I'm sure there'll be a, a point where oh, yeah. they will, and will, and you have to know Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Um, and then I'm gonna sit in that moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and I will, and I've I've seen those shows, and I will probably sit in that moment because it's 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 ludicrous, to, you know, to tell people who watch movies mostly and not TV. You have to watch this TV series as well. It's like the whole read on. the book argument, right? Yeah, it it's really is like that. Exactly. Well, it's the same thing with Winter Soldier uh-huh. when we we send that stupid like helicarrier. Hole. Yeah, well, the, there's the heli the helicarrier, but there's also the the thing that makes the hole in the in the street. Is that was that another thing that was an agent's Maybe, shield? Probably. Um, that was like where'd that thing come from and then he haven't used it since by the way oh the little laser lightsaber cutter is that what you're talking yeah, about that yeah cut, so like samuel jack you see nick fury oh, like yeah. go down in that uh-huh. hole and then winter soldier goes over there and says oh that's a weird hole i'm not gonna go down that <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give up <laughs> yeah um it's, it's sort of the you know we, we see a lot of characters just give up for no reason you know just so that the movie can go on yep um but uh yeah that that, that upsets me that i have to know certain things about freaking tv show thanks for listening make sure to check out cinema sins on youtube twitter facebook and tumblr and be sure to visit cinemasins.com i'm at least gonna take a screenshot and tweet it out Okay. okay, so we're going to talk about the most sinful moments of 2015. Okay. In life or in the movies? R- really both. Because yeah. there's some stuff I'm not ready to share. Like, well, I think that's a perfect uh, way to go, actually, for our first podcast, is to have you share your life sins. There's, we don't have enough 2015. time. Yeah. We don't have enough time. <laughs> I was at a wine tasting with my cousin Ernesto, which was mainly reds, and you know I don't like reds, man. You know, but there was a rosé that saved the day. It was delightful. And he tells me about this girl, Emily, that we used to kick it with. It was actually the first pair of boobs that I ever touched. It's the wrong details. It's the wrong... It has nothing to do with the story. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. I've been waiting for you.